inspired by the Canadian Federation of the Blind. Outlook, a show about accessibility, advocacy, and equality. I'm Brian. And I'm Carrie. Outlook. Radio Western. Canadian Federation of the Blind. First annual Gabios Award presented to Mary Ellen Gabios for her many years of service to the Federation and her tremendous dedication and commitment to empowering blind people to achieve their dreams, find freedom and independence, and live the lives they want. May 4th, 2019. Congratulations, Mary Ellen. May the 4th be with you. <laughs> I will treasure this more than anything that anybody has ever said or done for me because you are my family, you are my colleagues, you are my friends, and having a signification that you respect what I do and is more meaningful than anything I can tell you. And I'm tearing up now, so I'm going to, to say profoundly thank you. I just really appreciate it. And good morning, this is Outlook. Good morning. Radio Western. Yes, we are back, and this is <laughs> CFB Convention 2019, part two. Day two. You'll the Saturday, um, May 4th. Yeah, so as you heard in that clip, May the 4th be with you, which <laughs> yeah. was pretty funny. Someone said that after the president of the CFB, Mary Ellen Gabius, um, won the Gabius Award, the first, an- first time we're doing this in this organization, and... Yes, obviously it's named after her because she's been, you know, instrumental through this whole thing um, with the Canadian Federation of the Blind. But, um, you know, in future years, it'll go to other um, Canadians who've shown, you know, initiative and really done great things for um, the blind in Canada to, you know, progress things as they are. Yeah, so we heard part one of uh, CFB convention a couple weeks ago. Uh, We've had some other programming, so it's kind of been a little more delayed than we had planned. Um, so we have part two today, and part one is called So You're Blind, and part two is called You'll Be Fine. It's from the, the theme song that the NFB in the States has, so it's just a funny line to me. Yeah, absolutely. I think so, too. So and, you're uh, blind. You'll be fine. <laughs> I like singing it. Uh, I like when Carrie sings on the radio. <laughs> Doesn't happen much. Um, but yeah, so this is You'll Be Fine. So it's going to sh- illustrate um, a lot of the speakers we had on the Saturday. It was the main day of se- uh, session and the banquet in the evening. And uh, there's a lot of great speakers about uh, uh, speaking on a lot of a good range of topics. And uh, Yeah, so today's episode is going to be heavily audio focused because did, I did record on my iPhone uh, at the convention. And yeah, there were, as Carrie said, there were a lot of great speakers on the Saturday in the morning and, and the afternoon. So uh, I've created <coughs> a couple montages. Hours of audio, and we can't obviously have it all. And, yeah. Uh, 
was trying to think of a different word for montage too because yeah. we always we use that word that but <laughs> some synonyms for that source. but um, anyway so yeah we're gonna we're gonna play a lot of audio segments um starting with the morning but sort of I don't know if anybody was listening two weeks ago when we had part one but we left off with uh, our loud and live or live and loud what did you think it was called auction yeah the CFB something like that and Brian was the auctioneer which is funny to me when he sings when I sing on the radio and he does auctioneering yeah something I'd never done before until this time so, so that's where it kind of ended so we're picking up after that the next morning yeah so I'm gonna play this montage from the afternoon but just before I do I'm just gonna give morning. a little quick sorry morning it's it's Monday morning it's uh yeah it is Monday we've been morning. up since seven prepping and all day yesterday so uh getting this show together um, so yeah, I just want to give a quick summary of the speakers in the morning before we uh, play these clips. We can always talk so, a little after too. Yeah, we can. So there's a member of parliament who speaks, which mm. is great that we had him out there. And this is in uh, this was in Vancouver, actually Burnaby. specifically Burnaby, which is um, in the outskirts of Vancouver. So it's a he's a member of parliament from Burnaby who spoke. Uh, we also have a lady from Blind Beginnings. It takes a village to raise a child. So a nice organization helping out blind children. Um, yeah, there's some uh, discussion on bike lanes, which we will mention briefly afterwards. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Nels, which Carrie has talked about on this show quite a bit. It's pretty near and dear to Public her. library issues. Heart. And yeah, so a bunch of topics. And uh, we will... Let them speak for themselves. Let them speak for themselves. I think that's a great, a great way to put it. Um, so yeah, I'm just gonna cue this up here and shout out to Brian. Start with. Thank you. <laughs> here we go. I hope you all survived the auction. I, it was a great evening last night and a reception. Bless this time that we have with one another and as our travels back home. territory of the Kakite First Nation and the Coast Salish peoples. And I'd like to welcome all of the delegates for the Canadian Federation of the Blind here in Burnaby, British Columbia. I wanted to bring greetings from the Parliament of Canada and I wanted to say a big thank you to all of you. You're among my favorite Canadians and I'll tell you why. My father, Terry Julian, uh, should be a member of this association. He is not yet, but I will be bringing membership uh, forms back to him when I see him later today. He is black, and so I see firsthand in my family the kinds of barriers that exist in Canadian society and what we need to change if we're going to make a very inclusive society. It means expanding opportunities around employment and putting resources into place so that we get that bridge for people with disabilities into the workplace. And as I say, it's not that complicated. If the resources are there, the jobs follow. There is no doubt. And it means investing to make sure we have more accessible communities. Those are the priorities that Canadians have, and that's where the government should be spending its money. Unbelievably, Parliament back in 2004 would not allow uh, additional expenses for accessibility. So I fought at the time, along with Jack Layton, and we fought and got the, the first two fully accessible constituency offices in the country. 
including the first Braille business cards. I have RP. I was diagnosed about 12 years ago. I'm primarily a guide dog user, but very out and about with my cane, even as a guide dog user. I'm really happy and blessed to be here. I'm very thankful um, to all of you here and being a part of this um, community. Uh, when I first started, I was losing my sight. I was devastated to the point where I was like crying and scared. And it was not a good time, but as I met more and more of those who were visually impaired, the more support I felt and love and just knowing that I wasn't alone. And um, that is such a huge, huge part of my life is, is being a part of the blind community and giving back. One of the wonderful things about using Siri dictation. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Uh, I told somebody this yesterday, but I was sending, uh, there's a, a festival that is part of the Sikh community called, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, but Vesaki, and it's a wonderful uh, hospitality festival in which the Sikh community invites the rest of us to come and meet them and enjoy good food and fellowship and watch a parade, and it's a lot of fun. So I informed Nancy uh, via text that I was going to the Vaiseki festival and it came out that I was going to the vasectomy festival. And she told a story about how one day she couldn't find her small child, her toddler, how she had a toddler and he had, she would put bells on him so she knew where he was. But one day she was looking all over the house and she couldn't find him anywhere. And she ended up going to the neighbor eventually because she was panicking, she couldn't find her son. And the neighbor came in and found him sleeping under the dining room table. And that story, um, kind of showed me like, oh, blind people have kids? Like, that's a thing? So those were my role models, and there were so few of them. I'm gonna tell you a little bit about where we are, or how I see, where I see blind children today compared to when I was growing up, um, and what Blind Beginnings is, is trying to do to help. Independent blind people need to be able to move around their communities in safety. Uh, you are being asked to play Russian roulette with your life basically when you cross over this bike lane in order to catch a bus. Now it just happens that a lot of blind people need to use buses because we don't drive our self-driving cars yet or anything like that. I want to thank everybody for giving me the opportunity to come in and speak here about my experience working for Mills, the National Network I'm here to uh, talk today about Nels and after Heidi's description of some of the work that she has done for us um, as an accessibility tester, I'm just going to um, kind of provide the context for Nels and also some of the, the other initiatives that we're doing um, with the uh, idea of opening up reading and making an equitable landscape for all Canadians, um, whether you've got a print disability or some other kind of disability that might um, impede your access to reading. Blind massage in Asia, and that's what they call it. They call it the blind massage. And it is really a very popular um, profession in the blind community. There you go. 
Interesting little end to that clip with the blind massage in Asia. And it's <laughs> Obviously, we can't get into further you know, things, but that's what gives us further episode ideas. And, and we hope to have guests, some of these people as guests in the future, too. Yeah, as you could hear in that clip, so many inspirational speakers doing so many great things for the blind community. A lot about employment, making sure blind people are getting fair um, you know, access to employment opportunities. And, uh, and there was a woman there who runs what we call Blind Beginnings. Um, which, you know, the early childhood development, as, as was featured when my our mom was on the show, is important for blind children. So that's kind of what she does. And you can check her website out at blindbeginnings.ca. Yeah, and I mean, the theme of the convention was um, employment empowerment. So that's why we wanted to focus as much. I mean, you cover everything, but we wanted mm-hmm. to have enough of a focus on uh, employment. And you would, you would hear that in those clips. Um, another topic of interest that came up in there um, is, is the bike lanes. And actually recently in London, uh, bike lanes have been installed on King Street. And I think they're officially opening later you, this week. You crossed them the other day off the bus and you said, I didn't have a problem. But then we yeah. realized they weren't even open. Yeah, I don't know if they're officially uh, up and running until later this week. Well, you may have heard it on the news this morning talking about how they're worried about cars illegally parking over the bike lane. And so that's an issue, obviously. But this is one that is going on in Victoria and in other city design. And we're going to see here how, how this fits into London now. So. Yeah, I'm still kind of learning about it all. And I'm not sure of the dangers. It's it's more so that it's it's not as controlled sometimes with, with people cycling. On the on the in these lanes, and we have to cross them to to get on the bus. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's interesting that this situation seems to kind of be happening here in London, but I'm not sure exactly the the uh, the specifics on it. So it's something we're going to look into okay. on a future show. Um, so yeah, everything else kind of speaks for itself, and due to time constraints, we're going to move on to the afternoon mm-hmm. of May it the fourth. Starts 4th. out with a bang, but yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, we have about a seven minute clip here, and we're doing pretty pretty good for time actually. So we should be we should be good mm-hmm. and. Yeah, we, we, it's only 13 after, <laughs> 11. So. Um, so yeah, we're going to play this and then afterwards we will give our thoughts on some of these speakers from the afternoon. But a lot Good of afternoon, the- fellow federationists! <laughs> hey. One time I was at the Pacific Center Mall in Vancouver for two hours when a security guard approached me asking for ID. He told me that Granger was not allowed in the food court I informed him that he was, in fact, very allowed, and um, he paged his manager, which he eventually was told that Granger was allowed. And so we went on our way, and half an hour later, a different security guard came over and asked for ID again. I am a community support worker. The executive director made the mistake of saying to me, Donna, you're sounding that you're getting impatient, and so we might not be able to talk as much anymore. And I said, you're right, Randy. In fact, I think I'm just going to phone the Human Rights Commission. (laughs) To which, I got the job. Just to give you the quick and dirty of my job history, um, my first job was volunteering. Um, and I got it through the military police blind fund for, for children and they presented me through a networking opportunity with that opportunity. Um, I did some transcription work. Um, I then went into a little bit of paid employment by scouting it out, kind of pounding the pavement at a job fair um, and had a couple of months of work of supporting someone with adaptive technology um, skills. Then I, my real employment journey kind of began because while I was going to university, getting my degree, um, I worked for the federal government for Service Canada for five summers. I, I started out as a 
um, taking telephone calls for Canada Summer Jobs. Um, and if you want to know about Canada Summer Jobs, I can go into more detail after this presentation. But I, I did that and started out taking 50 calls the first summer um, in addition to manning the 1-800 general information number. So I was kind of a generalist about passports and EI and all that kind of stuff. I, I knew how to sort of be the first line of defense, uh, as it were, which is a term that relates to what I'm, I'm currently doing in my job um, as a project manager. Blind people are the most tangential group of people I have ever met, and this will not bode well for you in the job market. Uh, if, if I am told by my employer, they'll say to me constantly, you need to be concise. You need to say this, but um, in, in less words. My official job role is a bilingual taxpayer services agent at CRA. Hope you did all your taxes, because you're past the deadline if you didn't. We both both host a radio show called Outlook. I first started um, uh, dragon boating probably in 2013. You know, people talk about cane travel lessons and cane travel training. I can tell you that more cane travel gets taught at CFB and NFB yeah. conventions than anywhere else yeah. in North America. And it's not because anybody's doing fancy teaching, it's because we want to get someplace and by golly, we do it. As some of you may know, we have been um, in a legal dispute uh, as an organization for the past three years, protecting Canada's only legally protected um, meeting, training, and recreation center for the blind, visually impaired and deaf blind in, well, in Canada. Um, so this, this facility, which is on uh, Bowen Island, and for those of you who don't know, that's one of the low Gulf Islands uh, just off the coast of West Vancouver. It's a, it's a tradition now. We do the Pacific Training Center panel every year at the CFB convention, and I'm always so excited to have um, these our wonderful students who are working so hard and really um, committing themselves to huge, huge changes, life changes. Feel my confidence building with all the skills I am learning at PTC. I know in time I will feel safe and confident going out in the world independently. For the first time in my life, I know I am capable and I really believe I can make my dreams come true. My mom's mom never taught her how to cook and she never taught me how to cook and I'm kind of tired of eating frozen food at home because it's expensive and it's not good for you. <laughs> and I would really love to learn the basics and I'm starting to, I'm starting to get less scared of touching things that are kind of hot because the worst that can happen is to get singed. It's really not that bad. Yeah. That's the Pacific Center for the Blind Training School. I said, what? <laughs> oh, what are they, what? I've never heard of them. I've just heard of CNIB. Why wouldn't they tell me about them? <laughs> And he said, you'll have to ask them. <laughs> I said, I will. <laughs> and I did. Within like, I think two weeks, I already started feeling a lot more confident in the things I did. Yeah, there's a lot more discovery than structure to my training. I'm losing my vision ever so slowly. And before that, before I attended PTC, it was like, I don't really know what I'm going to do if and when I lose my vision. But now that I have attended PTC and learned all of these different skills under sleep shade without my vision at all, I feel a lot more confident in the future if and when I lose my vision, 
that I'll be able to still do everything that I already do. One of the transfer areas, one of the airports I would be waiting for my next flight was Muscat, Oman. Now, not many people go to Oman. Oman is not really a tourist destination compared to its neighbor, uh, the United Arab Emirates. So for me, uh, they didn't quite know what to do with me when I first arrived in Muscat and when I first stepped off in, in the airport because uh, it is a culture where a lot of the time women do not travel alone so much and also I couldn't see. So I remember the gentleman who was helping me to my next flight asking me three times, Madam, are you sure there's no one accompanying you? <laughs> and I'm having to remind him, oh yes sir, I'm positive. National meeting. And, uh, and provincial meeting, and uh, Kernels of Hope, and Employment Mastermind Group are opportunities uh, for you to get encouragement and support and information of the caliber that you have been getting this weekend every single month. This, this, is, this is probably the last time you get to hear from me this weekend. And or rub your hands together with glee. But <laughs> I, uh, I, I don't know about you guys, but I'm, I'm mostly ready to head out and, and start the banquet festivities. So I'm going to get off the podium and let the, the final presenters come through. And uh, thank you all. It's been so Yeah, time to head out. Yeah, absolutely. It was a long day of speakers, but really great speakers um, nonetheless. And mm -hmm. yeah, so we finished off there with Eric, who we've talked about quite a bit on the show, the chair, chairman for the Ontario chapter of CFB. And yeah, the main topics that he was discussing in his speech were training, opportunity, and advocacy. Which is basically what that whole segment was. There, you know, Yeah, everything is based on that. Eric really, was talking about some of the opportunities to help with attending meetings and dealing, you know, trying to improve this issue of employment with blind Canadians, giving more opportunities for lifting each other up with all of that and, uh, you know, support when needed. Yeah, so in this segment as well, there was a lot on the Pacific Training Center, which mm -hmm. is a common thing with the NFB in the States, but we've been, uh, there's one in Canada right now that's out west, nothing in Ontario, unfortunately. And the main, the main goal of these centers is blind people training blind people, rather than a lot of the standard models in the past where it's sighted people training blind people how to cook and clean and travel and all of that, all of that stuff. So it's definitely a new approach. And uh, we heard a student, a former student from the Pacific Training Center at West who traveled to India on her own and... Mm -hmm. uh, there she met. She uh, went to some blind schools in India and helped yeah. helped out sort there. Sort of did a Pacific Training Center type move there, teaching some kids who are there's a lot of blind children in orphanages in certain parts of the world, and and so that's good. Yeah, so that was very uh, very, very brave speakers in this segment, really. Her and, and the others who who you know deal with anxiety yeah. and loss of sight and. Yeah, you can just hear from those comments about the Pacific Training Center, how much it has changed blind people's lives. And I think it really does help to have blind people training them because it's, you know, they don't feel, they feel included and they feel like they're around people who are mentors and people who are also had to learn those same things. So mm -hmm. it's just a very So relatable. obviously, who better to teach the blind person how to do things that a blind person needs to do? You know, and, you know, sighted people have done it for a long time and they, and they can certainly do it very well, but... Um, this is just another option and, and maybe a better one in certain circumstances. Yeah, so we also had, you heard a little clip of us, our Outlook presentation. There wasn't much. Uh, I played a, a montage that I put together for that, for of our show, but it was called An Outlook is, a, is as Unique as a Fingerprint, mm -hmm. which is an interesting title, I thought. 
Um, and then, yeah, some more employment stuff. Someone working for the Canada Revenue Agency. It's really nice to just see so many blind people employed. And Yeah, so every clip of someone talking about their employment journey, that was a blind person, obviously. Yeah, we there. had the project manager as well. And yeah, all these people were blind. Um, Canadian Re- Revenue Agency. And uh, personal support worker we had yeah. in there as well, which is a great... It's a job that you that some people may not think a yeah, blind person not think. do, and she had to let fight really hard to get in get her get her spot there. And then we began that that uh, clip um, montage of clips with a little bit of talk on the guide dog discrimination, which I guess is happening more out west than in Ontario, yeah. but more so with the new service dog. Um, well, the media seems to have picked this up that a lot of people are faking, you know, support animals, taking them everywhere. You know, is it's all this fake you know, going on everywhere. So we got to be so suspicious and we got to prove things and you shouldn't bring that dog in here and, and ignorance about that. Whereas if you're, if you're blind, it's, it's pretty clear that you're blind and it's our guide dog. So in they BC, shouldn't... she was asked twice in like half hour, an hour, two hours being in a mall. She was asked to prove this. And it's also a, a difficult thing with traveling because if you go to BC and you don't have their proper ID for, to, yeah, for say, your guide say dog. we want to get a guide dog and then we want to go out there. Yeah. So for traveling, it can be an issue as well. Um, and, you know, you have to plan in a few months in advance to get the proper uh, identification when really this shouldn't be an issue and they shouldn't be bothering people with these uh, properly trained dogs in a, in a public space. So, mm-hmm. so many, so many issues, so many, so much discussion going on there, as you can hear. And it's, it was really hard to squeeze a whole day into a, Yeah, we felt quite behind right away, actually. We didn't show the chaos, but there, behind yeah. the scenes, there was a and lot. And then prepping it for this show is just to get everything we wanted. It was, it was tight, but. But we pulled it off, and mm-hmm. that leads us to the banquet. Yeah. And Which is always a big thing at these conventions, NFB and CFB. Yeah, they didn't have one last year at the CFB convention we were at, so it was really nice mm-hmm. that they had one this time. Delicious food and great yeah. service, mostly. <laughs> um, and then if you want to talk briefly about the speaker who uh, read the keynote speech, we, uh, Mary Ellen G- Gabby's got her award at the banquet, which you heard at the beginning of our show. Right. Um, but we also had a speaker. Well, we had our first visitor from the U.S. on the part one, Buna DeHaul, um, talking about employment and things. But this was um, Carla McClellan. Um, she is the um, president of the NFB chapter or whatever in um, Oregon there. So she was our keynote speaker and she spoke a lot about travel, which is a big, important issue for me, I think. But Yeah, it was a really interesting speech about planes, trains, and automobiles. And I like hmm. how she tied those three things together with very unique stories about how she was She's sort of treated in the past and, and just um, we some wish of the, we could have shared it all yeah it was a tough speech to, to figure out what we wanted to play from it but we decided to play more the wrap up the end of the speech mm-hmm. um, to, to wrap up our episode here today so we're going to finish off with that and uh, yeah after that we may have a couple more comments the only other thing that happened after the banquet was the annual general meeting the next which morning. Is the, which is not the fun part, but that's necessary. It's, it's necessary for a That's for how where Brian got elected there on the on the national board. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So it was just wrapped it up the next morning, but... Business to take care of, and then... All right, let's uh, listen to a little bit of Carla's speech from the banquet. I'm telling old stories, but I think... I don't have as many of those kinds of horrible travel stories because I think things are getting better. People tend to ask before they grab me. It will get better, and I'll tell you why. We're helpful. No, no, yeah. Like I said earlier, our our road to hell is paved with other people's good intentions. And you know what? I don't need 
to deal with what makes somebody else feel good if it <laughs> diminishes who I am and demeans my ability. And you know, the really cool thing about this speech and being here today is listening to Michelle and Josh and Chandelar and Gabby and Anna, all of whom have been to an NFB-like training center at Pacific and their experiences and the training they receive then puts them out into Canada as capable, competent, blind people. And the less CNIB is involved in training blind people, and the more we have control over the training people receive, the better things are going to get. We have changed what it means to be blind. Now, we're living the lives we want. Because the National Federation of the Blind knows that blindness is not the characteristic that defines you or your future. Every day we raise expectations because low expectations create obstacles between blind people and our dreams. You can live the life you want and blindness is not what holds you back. And you have to make sure that you do not allow those disconfirming messages from those tormentors and the suffering and pain that most people feel in travel can't take you out. And you also, you have a responsibility to your fellow blind people. You need to make sure it doesn't happen to them either. That's why we need to bring people in. That's why we need to lift people up because their lives don't have to be that way. And it's all of our responsibility to make sure that that happens. My fellow federations, let us go out and wander. And together, we will live the lives we want. Blindness is not what is going to hold you back. All right, thanks for listening. So you're blind, you'll be fine. Thanks, Carla. <laughs> Got that song there in the end. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in on this Monday morning to Outlook. Yeah, thanks so much. We'll be back next week. Find us on Twitter at OutlookCFB and on Facebook, facebook.com slash Outlook on Radio Western.